phone line. Talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Uh, <clears throat> okay, I, I guess this will work. It, it's heading south again, just want to say. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, Amy and I were just looking at a clip from uh, <laughs> uh, WTAE-TV um, news circa 1986, maybe, 1986. You can tell because I have like these big shoulder pads on and my hair is like five inches off on the sides and up. I mean, it's just this... It's a it's a shoulders and hair is what it is what it is, and <clears throat> it's just a little clip <coughs> from me uh, sitting on the set about to introduce a a Halloween piece I had gone to do, um, and uh, it's Don Cannon anchoring, and I think it's like the funniest thing I've ever seen. I and we're trying to get for some reason it doesn't want to. Uh, let us put it up on Facebook or Twitter, but damn it, we're going to figure out a way because this is a guaranteed, <laughs> I'm still laughing, and I've, I've watched it about four times last night, and every time started howling. And part of it is because um, it's it's a clear uh, clear evidence that... Uh, that laughter is contagious <laughs> and it's it's one of those things where laughter is contagious and it's particularly contagious in situations right where you're not supposed to laugh uh if you're not supposed to laugh funerals we all must have stories funerals and uh well being on the television news uh, and you're not supposed. <laughs> and once, once you start, it's um, man. So anyway, we'll try. We'll try to get it to you, because if there's anything we need, <clears throat> it's a laugh, right? And a voice for that matter. <clears throat> um, I, I am the bearer of tidings. I'm not going to. Uh, typify them as good or bad they're good for me I don't know how you'll feel but I've I've been meaning to tell you this for the last three weeks and, and I don't wanna because I think you won't like it but it's no big deal it's not big deal I'm um I am cutting back to just four days a week so um the show will run Monday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday and um and I'm going to take my Fridays uh, back. I hope you won't mind. God knows I don't. Uh, you know, in all these uh, efforts uh, to allow me to keep doing this, uh, one of the most obvious things was to not do it quite so much. Because <laughs> um, it's hard to describe how... Um, enervating and emotionally difficult it is for me if I wasn't the you know softy bleeding heart empath I am I could do it 
It'd just be, you know, all right, you go on, you do this, you talk about that, and you leave. But I internalize everything, and, and, and so it's, it's really not been good. It's not good for me. And I don't know how just re- reducing it by one hour is going to have an impact, but I think it will because it will also give me, obviously, a longer weekend and some recovery time and the ability maybe to uh, go see family. Uh, a little more readily. So that's that is the news. Um, um, you won't see me on Fridays, okay? All the more reason to get you this clip. <laughs> and, and you know, looking at the clip, um, I'm reminded of a uh, of the fact that I had the greatest job in television. I did. There were no constraints. I did whatever I wanted. I was part stand-up comic. I was part, you know, just entertainment. I was, uh, I was a wackadoodle, and they and they let me do it. There's no such place in television uh, for that now, and um, I bet audiences would love that bit of comic relief again. <laughs> yeah, I, I really do. So anyway, um, I hope you can see it. Look, I cannot stop smiling. I, there's, well, it's obnoxious, right? Because it's me. I'm sitting here laughing hysterically at me. Uh, but Amy laughed too. So <coughs> I don't know how you wouldn't. I'm serious. If anyone watches that, once we figure out how to put it on and doesn't think it's funny, you call me. I'm serious. I want to talk to you. (coughs) Okay. Uh, Oh, Barbara, thank you. (laughs) Barbara said, that makes sense to me. So glad you will be on for four days. Enjoy your Friday mornings and longer weekends. Thanks for keeping on, keeping on. Oh, thank you, Barbara. Um, thank you. You sent me something, Barbara, actually. You sent me something yesterday, that, and I think I, I got it um, or didn't see it during the show, but I've got The president had a... Um, you know, photo oppy thing in the Oval Office yesterday, si- signing. What? Shut up! Oh, that's because we were listening. Um, um, signing some executive order, uh, and this one, not nothing terrible as far as I know, because it was something to help. Uh, uh, something having to do with home care for kidney people people with kidney disease and dialysis, I don't know, whatever, sounds good, it's okay with me. And But as usual, it shows that this guy not only can't read, you know, off a teleprompter, it, it, his problem is more than reading, it's, um, <laughs> it's being able to construct a sentence. Now, the first president we had that I thought was a lot like, I mean, that I made that same claim about was George W. Bush. I mean, he was he, he was the first presidential concoctor of word salad in, in, in my memory, I believe. 
But Trump, so here is what he, this is absolutely what he said with all these people standing around him in the Oval Office. He said, you've worked so hard on the kidney. Very special. The kidney has a very special place in my heart. Um, <laughs> I mean, what, how do you even, I mean, I'm somebody who talks, right, a lot, at least in front of, I, I mean, people who know me well will tell me I don't, talk, I'm not all that talkative often in my real life, um, but how do you, I mean, I've said things that, are stupid. I've said things where I've lost track of my train of thought. I've said things that, you know, whatever, but I would never, how does that come out of your mouth? You've worked hard on the kidney. <laughs> Even that. How, what is that? I mean, and then to say the kidney has a, a very special place in, oh, we didn't say my, a very special place in the heart. God help you if your kidney's in your heart. God help you. That would be a bit of a medical anomaly. Oh, thank you, little Tony. He says he's happy for me and I should enjoy my weekends. <laughs> I will. I will. Um, so, yeah, hey, babe, it's Friday to me. I love it. Uh, folks here at City Paper are are hoping to put together an hour in this time slot on for Fridays that will make use of uh, some of the folks on staff that cover cultural things, political things. So it could well be that this Friday hour will still be worth uh, worth watching, keep you up to date on on that. So the president has gone and done it again, right? He has let all of those uh, murderous uh, illegal aliens know that they're coming for him on Sunday. So they're going to do this multi-city roundup starting on Sunday. They're targeting thousands of undocumented people and they're going to grab them and they admit beforehand that they'll be grabbing people maybe that shouldn't be grabbed but if they're if they're in the same place at the same time that they're doing the grabbing they're going to get grabbed they admit they'll be grabbing children perhaps infants who the hell knows but they're going to do it so they say you know with this crowd One never, one never knows. But this is, uh, this is awful. Uh, this is something, of course, that's been threatened uh, by this administration uh, a few times before. And in all cases prior, it has been uh, postponed or walked back or gone back to the drawing boards. Um,
The line in the New York Times piece on this that freaked me out was this. When possible, family members who are arrested together will be held in family detention centers in Texas and Pennsylvania. And I seem to recall that during Obama's presidency there was a family uh, detention center here in Pennsylvania, not in our environs, more to the east. And so apparently that Pennsylvania center is part and parcel of this wonderful um, terrifying uh, operation for those people who uh, are targeted. And again, for those of you who say, what can we do, what can we do other than talk, and uh, one of the things you can do is, of course, um, find out if there will be protests at that center. It's, it's your state. Um, another thing you can do, and excuse me while I get my phone so I can uh, get you the information, but I do know that tomorrow evening, and I intend to be there for all the good it does, however, <sighs> there will be a vigil candlelight vigil at uh, 7.30 tomorrow night. Um, let me get it for you. Uh, in Oakland. And uh, here, okay. I just want to get the full. This is called the Lights for Liberty Vigil. And Again, this Friday, 7.30, at Shenley Plaza in, in Oakland. Um, Shenley Plaza, that big expanse that now boasts uh, a merry-go-round and, uh, and restaurants and uh, is opposite the uh, Cathedral of Learning and the Law School and the Carnegie Library, for anybody who doesn't know uh, the location. And this is just one of over 580 similar vigils that will be taking place throughout the country. Um, so it would be nice to have a big crowd there. Uh, it is all about, they want you to bring a candle. <laughs> it's all about shining a light, as they say, on the horrific abuse of these people by this administration in these uh, horrific detention camps. Um, so spread the word if you can't go. Okay, that's tomorrow at 7.30. Um, this is sponsored by a marvelous organization that works with the immigrants here, Casa San Jose, and other groups, All for All, uh, One Hood, Pittsburgh United, and uh, the Jewish organization Bend the Ark. And uh, one of the demands will be that the governor, a Democrat, shut down that detention center in our state. By the way, it says here it's in Bucks County, so it's in the eastern 
uh, part of the state. Uh, that detention center has seen children as young as two weeks old uh, incarcerated there. Families have been kept there in the last five years. And the thing is, I suppose of all these centers, this one might be the nicer one because families are kept together. But still, but still. It says here that Governor Wolf has the power <coughs> to issue an emergency, <coughs> excuse me, removal order on the detention center. And part of this will be asking him to, to do so. Okay. So, uh, I mean, if you want to do more, then just wring your hands. And uh, probably there'll be a lot of good information there about other things you can do, including becoming active in these sponsoring organizations. <coughs> Maybe if I only do four days a week, I'll get my voice back. Um, the thing, though, is, is so they, they obviously know where these people live, and they're tar so ICE will be heading right for these addresses, addresses they have for them. But if they're warning them, we're, we're doing this Sunday, why the hell wouldn't everybody run? And so they won't be there. And so there will be what they call collateral uh, detentions. They'll just scarf up whoever is there, I suppose. Also, since uh, the threat has been there for some time now, uh, immigrant uh, groups have been educating these people who are targeted of their rights, and they do have rights being in this country. Um, the fact is, because if an ICE agent is banging on your door, Guess what? You don't have to open it. In America, you don't have to open it. ICE agents are not, by law, allowed to forcibly enter a home. I'm willing to bet they do it. But by law are not. And of course... All of these uh, immigration defense lawyers are gearing up um, to be there for these people uh, if and when they're, they're grabbed during this. Uh, it won't be a single day thing. They're going to start on Sunday and then just keep uh, coming at them. The, the problem here logistically is that uh, a lot of these people thereafter have children. And they have children who are Americans. So the New York Times piece says that if undocumented parents are found to have children who are citizens of this country, ICE will need to wait with the children in a hotel room until a relative can claim them.
I don't know. So there you um, have it. That's happening. Maybe. You know what's happening today with this wonderful crowd? Have you heard about it? Trump's having um, a summit meeting and the att- at the White House. And the attendees at this meeting are as motley a crew as you can imagine. He is meeting with, I guess, what are called these days social media influencers. Um, the name that would apply to many of them are spreaders of false information. He has invited to the White House his most ardent online supporters. And they include the loathsome James O'Keefe, who is the guy with the hidden camera who goes in and then selectively edits stuff, totally, totally changing the reality of what the person who doesn't know they're being uh, recorded and filmed said. A guy who has been found guilty of crimes because of his nefarious, uh, nefarious actions. He, uh, he founded something called, and this is just classic on the right, it's called Project Veritas. <laughs> Veritas being the Latin word for truth. (laughs) You call it Project Veritas and then you spread lies. It's, It's classic, like Fox News, fair and balanced. Uh, okay, so you got that guy. You got Bill Mitchell. Now this loathsome creep. Uh, has been responsible for promoting that group called QAnon. You heard of them? It's a, well, it's a QAnon conspiracy theory of some sort. It's wackadoodle. And another thing embraced by the really right wing. And there's somebody called Carpe Donctum who is best known for creating doctored videos, one he's done of, uh, of Vice President Biden, that, again, is nothing to do with Veritas. When word got out of the guest list to this White House summit today, people were going berserk. Um, and And one of the people, and I'm... See if I can find his name here somewhere. A guy named Ben Garrison, who uh, is a cartoonist, and obviously pro-Trump cartoonist, and all hell broke loose when people saw his name on the list because he has created just openly anti-Semitic cartoons. He, of this whole crew of despicable characters has been um, disinvited. So the anti-Semite, this known anti-Semite, <laughs> they kicked out. Um, so this is what's happening. Trump knows 
that social media is extraordinarily powerful. Um, he had all those Russian bots working for him to get him to the White House in the first place, and they will be there again. So he'll have the Russian bot army and everything they've got in their bag of tricks. And here are these guys, and they're actually meeting with Trump to figure out how to get him a second term. These are people who think that this kind of amateur online engagement beats slick, you know, professionally produced campaign ads. And I think they're right. And as one of them said, the guy who goes by Carpe Donctum, he said, it's the viral political marketing of the future. This is, And they know it, and that's, they're going to get themselves organized. Um, it says here as well that some of the largest uh, repositories of pro-Trump uh, Internet content are getting uh, kicked off of major forums. Uh, Reddit's largest pro-Trump forum uh, was quarantined by its moderators last month after its users were found to be making threats against public officials and, confusingly to me, police officers. Uh, Another message board known as a hotbed of alt-right vitriol, oh, 8chan, we've heard of that, uh, was served with an FBI search warrant just two months ago in response to evidence that the guy who shot up the synagogue in California was inspired by posts he saw on 8chan. Um, And also a number of Trump-supporting Internet figures have been barred by Facebook and Instagram for violating its policies against dangerous individuals and organizations. So, these are the rogues who are getting the red carpet treatment at the People's House today. Whoa! At the White House. Isn't that something? Oh, and here's another little nugget full of stuff today. I don't know why we're not seeing more of this. A State Department analyst has resigned. An intelligence analyst has said, I can't work for you guys anymore. I'm out of here. Somebody's professional ethics exceeded his, whatever, his desire to have a job. He couldn't do it anymore. The guy's name is Rod Schoonover. He is an analyst with the State Department's Bureau of Intelligence and Research. By the way, I I think this is the most important thing to know about this 
particular little uh, entity within the State Department. Uh, That little agency, the Bureau of Intelligence and Research, lived up to its name when the drums were beating for us to go after Saddam Hussein and get into that war. It has long been regarded as one of the most scrupulous and accurate agencies in our intelligence apparatus. And so, before we invaded Iraq in 2003, when everybody else, including other other State Department groups, other intelligence agencies were saying, oh yeah, that Saddam Hussein is, uh, yeah, weapons of mass destruction, he is reinstituting a nuclear weapons program. This agency, the Bureau of Intelligence (laughs) and Research, actually was one of the only, it was almost alone, in all governmental agencies having the courage to stand up to that Republican administration and say, this is not true. So this guy, Schoonover, who works for them still, was due to give a testimony uh, in last month before the House Intelligence uh, committee and the specific topic was the impact on our national security of climate change which is huge and he did his work did his research and was about to give his testimony when he was pulled aside and told that the White House refused to approve his testimony and did not want it entered into the permanent congressional record. They didn't approve it because he was told it did not correspond with the White House view, which is not based on intelligence or fact or research, or science. He left. His last day is tomorrow. And someone who knows him says, when something extraordinary happens, when there is an effort to politicize or suppress their professional research and analysis, as happened in this case, that flies in the face of anyone's professional integrity. What's amazing is how many people don't do what this man did. We've got a caller. Hello, caller. Hi, Lynn. Hi. Hey, on your show one time, you talked about, well, I guess you talked about it quite a bit, the sickness of America with this Trump thing. 
And there was a guy the other day on TV, which I don't watch too much of that stuff, but he made sense about that the sickness is there. Trump is just a symptom of the sickness. Yeah. That makes sense? Well, <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Like they said, if you take away Trump, the sickness will be still there mm-hmm. once he leaves. No, and I agree. Of worried. course. It's the people who voted yeah. for him, the people who are enabling him now. It's the Republican Party that's rolled over and, and abandoned every principle they supposedly, that, 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 that guided them for, it, it, you know, everything, everything. I mean, yeah, it's still going to be there. And he he unmasked it. What? What concerned him is the growing of the sickness and where you see his, Things are really bad, but they're showing his poll numbers ticking up a couple points. Oh, so will you stop looking at growing? these polls? Yeah, just stop looking at the polls. Well, I'm just stop. saying, I know they're screwed up, but that's what kind of concerns me. And he said if the sickness grows, we got Trump again. If it gets the bigger what? people jump aboard, and I thought, well, there's no need this isolated amount of people, but I don't know now. <laughs> I don't know how you feel about that. Well, I, I think what we do know is um, 40%, maybe more, of the population uh, does not view him and his actions and the Republican Party with the horror that we do. Um, they're comfortable with it. They're okay. They they look with yeah, equal yeah. horror on us, I guess, and I you know I, it, pff, unbelievable, but there are people who don't understand the bedrock principles of that this country was founded on, and yet they're the ones who think they're the patriots. It is it, oh, yeah. a lot of it's grounded in such extraordinary ignorance, um, and now emotion. Uh, primitive emotion, hate, and uh, fear, and ignorance. And those are hard things to beat, especially when they're being constantly, you know, roused by the people who benefit from that hate and fear and ignorance, such as the Republican Party. They always have. So there you go. I don't know. Okay, then. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Uh-huh. Bye. Bye. Uh, Barbara, no, incorrect. Uh, Barbara has sent a picture of me, a promotional picture from uh, 1986 of Channel 4 Action News, and it's a picture of Don Cannon and a brunette young woman and Paul Long. And she says, is that you? No, that is not me. My hair was bigger and my shoulder pads were bigger. That is the uh that is a woman who after a large search was brought in from Minneapolis uh to be the first female anchor uh Monday through Friday anchor at uh Channel 4. Uh never mind that Sally Wigan was there in the newsroom they went and got this babe her name was Colleen Needles and she lasted I don't know about 26 seconds I'm surprised they even got this uh, picture she was she was a, a train wreck it was a nightmare 
she was awful and it was a bad fit for Pittsburgh, for the station, for her, for us, and I, she didn't last the year. And then after that debacle, they looked around and they said, well, uh, well then who? Oh, look, I guess maybe, okay, we'll try Sally. And as you know, <laughs> Sally had, I think, the longest tenure of any anchor woman, certainly, maybe even any anchor, I don't know, in uh, Pittsburgh TV history. So, gee whiz. All right. Um, <clears throat> what else we got here? My God. Um, huh. Just one more thing about how far off the reservation the Republicans have gone. Um, you know that the vice president, that's uh, Mr. Pence, uh, follows some kind of rule where he is not, it's called the Billy Graham rule. That's it. It's called the Billy Graham rule. Where he does not, he, I guess it's a promise you make to your wife that you will never be alone <laughs> with another woman. Now, uh, um, how the hell do you do that in today's world with women holding, like, so in other words, I mean, Pence could not be the vice president to a woman's president. He can't even be, I don't know. You know what else this says, guys? That kind of craziness says, it's at the, this is why there is so much misogyny. There is, what feeds misogyny is a fear. It's always these things fear. It's a fear of women and their power. Men are fearful of the power of women to turn them to jello, to steal their brains from their heads and send everything, including all the blood in their body, southward to their genitalia. And so what they men have done throughout history is not learn to control themselves, which is doable. Harder, maybe. They have decided to control women, to stick them under tablecloths, <laughs> to, well, I needn't. But this is, this is the same kind of... Crapola. Anyway, there's a guy running for governor uh, in Mississippi, I think. Mississippi. He, of course, is a Republican. His name is Robert Foster. He's a state legislator, and he has made a commitment to his wife, Heather, to follow the Billy Graham rule, which means, well, here it is. Here's the rule. Avoiding any situation that may evoke suspicion or compromise of our marriage. Okay. So, a female reporter, a woman named Larison Campbell, um, asked his campaign if she could uh, do a 15-hour ride-along with him on the campaign trail. And she was told no. 
you can't. You can if you bring along a male colleague. Obviously, the reporter and her boss objected on the grounds that this was... <laughs> I mean, I, I, this would float in Saudi Arabia, maybe... So I don't know, I don't know what uh, I don't know where I, I don't want to know anymore. To hell with it. These people are out there; they're getting elected. Uh, so, okay, I want to in the time we have left, and it might take that long. I want to share with you a story that I got on the um, from a journalistic uh, outfit, very good. They do a lot of um, investigative work called The Intercept out of Philly. And they cover our state government. They did a story of just one little vote that happened, one little bill, actually an amendment to a bill. And this is a story That is, to me, just mind-blowing on a lot of levels. I want to start by saying, I don't know how you feel about our Attorney General, State Attorney General Josh Shapiro. I think almost everything he has done since he's been in office has been good. I have been behind him in every way, and he's very aggressive. And he's clearly a guy, young, and uh, with ambition. I mean, it's just written all over him. And yes, he has ambitions. He wants to be the governor. Um, maybe he wants to be the president. I don't know. But that's just some information for you to have. You also need to know that Philadelphia, and I know I did mentioned this guy a few times. Pennsylvania just elected, or a year ago, elected a district attorney uh, that is considered the, without a doubt, most progressive DA of a major city going. There have been a few others also. Uh, Boston, I believe, also has a very progressive DA now. These are people who sign on to uh, not arresting everybody in sight, trying to get racial profiling under control, trying to stop having jail be the answer to everything, trying to get rid of cash bail so that it's not a crime to be poor and we don't have debtors' prisons. I mean, he's just, he is a good guy. And he came into office and immediately started doing things. He told all the assistant DAs under him, hey, here's the new rules. I don't want you going after these little piddling things that you guys do all the time. I'm not going to prosecute them. Well, the Philadelphia Police Department, which is also well known, I give you a guy from the past named Frank... Rizzo? Yeah. He was what? The chief of police who became the mayor? Do I have that right? 
I believe so. This guy was out of central casting. And the Fraternal Order of Police there, the police union, is as right-wing, old-style. So they hate this Krasner guy. Hate him. The state senate in Harrisburg passed a bill the other day and in it was buried this little authorization that said that if Krasner, the Philadelphia DA, does not bring charges against any crime having to do with a firearm or something. You have to have a firearm in there because this was a, some kind of a firearm legislation. If he doesn't bring charges, then the Attorney General, that would be Mr. Shapiro, can take over. The police in Philadelphia can go directly, bypassing the district attorney of their city, can go directly to the state attorney general and say, we want you to do what he wouldn't. Now imagine this. This is a bill. And by the way, this measure lasts. It, it's only meant to go for two years. Guess what happens in two years? Krasner's term ends. So this is a bill. By the way, signed by Democratic Governor Tom Wolf. Because establishment Democrats, our Attorney General, our Governor, they don't like these, these progressive upstarts like Krasner, but using the state government to literally go after the ability of one district attorney is mind-blowing. A lot of lawmakers who voted for it, because Democrats voted for it, they said they didn't know that was even in there. Or they thought there was something like that in there, but it applied to all district attorneys that if there was a failure somehow to do this, that the AG could step in. But to actually target this one DA is amazing. You understand that one of the key powers of a district attorney, they're extremely powerful people, is to decide what you prosecute and what you don't. And these progressives... Are change want to change the whole game because they think a lot of prosecutions that have happened in the past are nonsense. They're to get the numbers up, but they, they're, they're stupid and ultimately self-defeating. And the only people that they benefit is the prison industrial complex. Krasner's office obviously is not exactly happy. He said this is an attempt, obviously, by the legislature to undermine the will of the Philadelphia voters 
who turned out in record numbers, and they did, to elect him. They knew exactly what he was saying he was going to do, and they voted for it. And now here are these, yeah, the Pals, the establishment Pals. By the way, Philadelphia has one of the most highly incarceration rates in the country. So this bill gives uh, what's called concurrent jurisdiction to the Attorney General, Josh Shapiro. And it allows Philadelphia cops to work directly with Shapiro, absolutely cutting the Philadelphia DA's office out of the process. That's just not the way it's supposed to work. Now understand, when Krasner got in, he got rid of a whole bunch of assistant DA's who were the old type who couldn't get on board with his progressive program. So he said, you don't fit. Sorry, you're out of here. Guess who hired him? A lot of them. The state attorney general's office. So they're now all working with Shapiro, and they hate Krasner, of course. This is petty politics. This is what these guys spend their time doing. People understood that the Attorney General was interested in getting this passed quickly. Uh, Shapiro, by the way, as soon as this uh, uh, was passed, he called a, um, a press conference that then got canceled very quickly when this Intercept article came out. All of a sudden, he didn't want to talk, and he did not want to have questions. And Shapiro said his office, we do not plan to use this legislation to act unilaterally or go around District Attorney Krasner. Well, but that's what the legislation is, and that's what you were supporting. Politics. It is disgusting. I hate it. It's why you don't, I don't do politicians on this show. I just can't take them. It's such a filthy game. And here's the last part of the article, just so you understand. So all of this is playing out against the backdrop of Pennsylvania's internal democratic politics. Shapiro like Krasner, is a member of the Democratic Party. And uh, both were elected in 2016. And Shapiro, however, was elected with the endorsement and support of the Philadelphia Fraternal Order of Police, which so loathes Krasner that they actually, the FOP took out billboards, even had planes with anti-Krasner banners flying over the Jersey Shore. 
says here Shapiro is widely understood to be angling for governor and perhaps eventually the White House. His alliance with the FOP, the cops, and particularly the more radical Philadelphia lodge of the FOP, now that this is known, could threaten his standing with a lot of Democratic primary voters. Um, I have to tell you, I was really loving Shapiro, and um, this has tempered my, I mean, it's not a, not a deal killer, because I understand the game he's in and the calculations that are made, but um, wow, wow, it's just incredible that a, this is the kind of, it reminds me of something Nancy Pelosi said apparently yesterday when she was talking about, you know, these progressives that she's got to deal with. And she says, you know, they don't understand the difference between what they've always done, which is advocacy, and what they're now supposed to be doing, which is legislating. <laughs> and there is truth in Pelosi's statement. Those are different, um, obviously, when you're a politician, you also advocate, but legislation is a is a messier business because it does involve uh, compromise. It does involve holding your nose sometimes and voting for something that is not perfect, rarely is, and that at least maybe moves things forward or whatever. But the game is ugly. And we all know it's been referred to like watching sausage be made. And if you ever watch sausage be made, believe me, you understand the metaphor. But Pelosi apparently said yesterday in this caucus meeting with her caucus, um... You know, uh, guys, some of you um, don't realize, or you came here thinking you were going to make pate. (laughs) And we make sausage. That's the old, seasoned, knows how the game is played, pal. And there are, you know, there's not, you can't get away from that because the rules are set up that way. The other party, well, the other party plays by those rules and then some or throws them out when they don't like them. And you can't, well, as she said, she's, we're here to make sausage, not pate. So the media and others are trying to make a big to-do about her going after these four young uh, women, Alexandria and Ilhan and I can't even remember the others, um, Presley. And, uh, you know, I understand their passion and I understand why they were elected, but when Pelosi apparently took him to task um, yesterday and they were there 
she got a standing ovation. Because I would like to see some of these younger members stop tweeting as much. It's what they do, and they too, like Trump, know that that is how you build uh, a base. But the job they've been elected to do is different than that. Uh, AOC is simply brilliant when she's in um, uh, a hearing. She, by the way, has been placed on some of the best committees. So, And that would not have been done without Pelosi's blessing. Um, she's potentially a just brilliant legislator. And so there's no reason for there to be this this rift. She also has a chief of staff who did something pretty outrageous. And I believe he was called out um, in this meeting, too. Because in his tweets, um, they're going after other Democrats. And that's just not what you do. And what he did is actually suggest that some of the Democrats, like Connor Lamb, he didn't name him, but he was talking about these Democrats, are called moderate Democrats, who flipped what had been Republican districts. And obviously, they don't have the same electorate as AOC has in Queens. <laughs> um, if he were from Queens, he'd have a, he wouldn't be a moderate, right? So... I guess her chief of staff tweeted out something that these guys who, these moderates, he said were doing, he alleged sort of that they were racists. Well, I mean, I don't think Connor Lamb's a racist. I mean, he's the one I know, and I don't think he's a racist. So some of these uh, young people who are now there and who have um, all this passion and talent and ability, they just need to... I'm not saying necessarily play by the rules, but they need to have more respect for... others in their in their caucus who do not have the luxury that they have that have a much tighter tighter electoral picture and if the lefties pull the party too far all of those moderates who allowed the Democrats to take back the House could well lose their seats and then the Democrats will lose the House. Anyway, complicated stuff. Okay, guys, I won't be here tomorrow.
Um, but I'll see you on Monday. And uh, I hope you have a good weekend. Bye. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.